three famous guys going incognito on a mission to bring you the most compelling stories. Rags to riches, paranormal activity, comedy, drama, murder, sadness and drama. It's all right here. This is Three Famous Guys, the podcast where no topic is off limits. And now your hosts, the international men of mystery, Gus, Jim, and Mark. All right, my name is Gus, and this is the Three Famous Guys uh, podcast. We don't have all of us here. Uh, I'm Gus. Jim is with me. He's the other famous guy. Uh, he's up in Dubuque, Iowa. Mark from Green Bay, he's not with us. This is golf season. He manages a uh, country club up there. So he's going to be a little bit busy this summer, but uh, we'll get him back here. But we do have a couple other guest hosts with us. Heather's the first one we ever interviewed on our podcast. Howdy. Yeah, so Heather's with us because she talked a lot, and, and uh, <laughs> anytime we mess up, so... Uh, Heather will be with us. But we also have uh, my pastor, Pastor Kelvin Prock um, from Crusaders for Christ uh, Biker Church in Quinlan, Texas. So if you ever want to find a church, it's, you know, most, not everybody's a biker there, but we have some cool Harleys. Actually, none of us are really bikers. We just have nice bikes, right, Kelvin? Correct. <laughs> Hello. But we do have one biker, Craig Martin. He's uh, oh, yeah. he's cruising up the West Coast right now. Right. Yeah. He's he's enjoying, he's enjoying his I think Harley. he qualified. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. So anyway, but you're not going to want to turn this podcast off. We've got an incredible guest with us today. We have a guest who died and saw heaven. Well, I'm going to let him tell a story, but his name is Ivan Tuttle. And Ivan, how you doing? I'm fine. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I, I listened to a podcast you were on, and I'm like, okay, I want to talk to this guy. I've listened to several near-death experience uh, podcasts and different ones, and we, we actually had a guy scheduled, and I decided not to give him a platform because... Uh, his story, I didn't believe. Uh, it, was, it was just too far out. Uh, I, I believe what the Bible has to say uh, about heaven and hell and Jesus. And so this guy uh, never really mentioned Jesus once by name, never, never said the word heaven or hell, but he made it clear how we can come back time after time. So my plan was to give him about a half an hour and start asking hard questions and then just shut him down. So and that probably wasn't the best attitude, I guess. So then I, and I listened to yours and I'm like, okay, this guy sounds like the real deal. So Ivan, go ahead and tell uh, the folks a little bit about yourself and then let's get into uh, what happened. Sure. Uh, well, I've been in full-time ministry now for a few years. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a itinerant minister. I go all over the, actually all over the world, except for during COVID time, uh, stuck basically in the U.S. Um, I had died once. I went to hell. I went to heaven. And of course, I'm back. I um, wrote a book about it. The book's called A Journey to Hell, Heaven, and Back. It's been uh, been number one in this category, near-death experiences before. Uh, it stays up, usually up in the upper 100s. It, it goes through most of my testimony, most of what happened. To write it all down, it would just be impossible. But um, that kind of gets you a little background of where I'm at and what I'm doing now. So, All right. Now, how long ago did this happen? This happened in 1978. You actually died, correct? That is correct. I, I was dead. When they found me, I was completely dead. I had rigor mortis setting in. So, Can you tell us a little bit about that and what happened? Yeah. Would you like to know about when they found me when I was dead? Is that yeah. what you're asking? Or, yeah. What they did is when they found me, I had been home from the hospital. And when they found me, uh, I didn't know this until 
just recently somebody explained why they did this. They came up and the, the gentleman just touched my face and turned around and looked at the other paramedic that was with him and shook his head no, and they walked out of the room and called him over. Uh, and what I have found out since then is that rigor mortis sits in your face first. And I didn't know that, but I guess rigor mortis had set in my face. And the, evidently it must have been in the rest of my body too, just beginning, you know. So your blood starts coagulating in your wrists and your elbows and your knees, et cetera, in your joints, but it sets in your face first. That's how I know I was dead for that long. So now, now what happened? What I mean, what what happened to you that uh, you passed away at the time? Sure. So what happened is I was, um, it's a long story. I'm going to try to make it real short. Uh, as a young kid, I'd lived for the Lord. I was doing great, did all kinds of things. And I kind of walked away. I walked out of Bible college, met some girl. I never went back to Bible college. I got a blood clot in my leg. And when I got this blood clot in my leg, um, I denied it at first. And finally, I had to go to the doctor and get it checked out. It, my, my calf of my left leg was swollen almost as big as my thigh. And I went in there and the doctor says, this is a horrible looking blood clot. They had to do something called a radioactive retrograde uptake. I'm allergic to the IBP dye, the iodine in it. So they did that to me. They shoot nuclear medicine and you put you underneath a Geiger counter and, and look to see where the nuclear medicine flows. And it didn't flow down that leg very good. So they put me in a hospital. Um, I was in there for almost 10 days. They shot me full of drugs, whatever it was to thin out your blood, uh, took blood tests every day you know, several times a day, sometimes just to see what was going on. I go home and the night that I got home, of course, the first thing I wanted to do, because I had been into drugs and everything, had to smoke some pot when I got home, went in to lay down in my bed, my nice big water bed that I had. And as soon as I laid down, evidently I died. You don't have no memory of dying? That transition, like from laying down to waking up dead? So, so what happened is, as I lay down, I had something called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And what that is, it's hereditary. They found the genetic marker in our family's blood, including mine. Uh, way back then, they were still doing the genetic studies on things. And actually, the marker was in it, and they didn't discover it until in the 80s, but it was from the blood that we had given back in the 70s, back in 1975. I had this disease, so I laid down always on my left side because I was told if you sleep on your left side, what that does is that allows the blood to flow more evenly in your body. It makes it easier for the heart to pump. So that's what I did. And I was laying down there asleep. And the next thing I know, something came by and grabbed my left wrist and literally yanked me up out of the bed. Wow. When this happened, you know, I, I was startled because it takes a few seconds before you realize you're dead then you really do. But it, when this happened, I immediately went on the attack mode. I thought, what is this? And I had taken martial arts for like 14 years. So when I hit it, I hit it as hard as I could. It had zero effect. It had no effect on it whatsoever. And I realized something, this must be a bad nightmare, bad dream. So I tried to turn a light switch on and my hand went right through the wall. I turn around, I look and I'm still laying in the bed. Then I knew I was dead. And it was like instantly, as soon as you know that you're dead, when your body is, when your spirit is out of your body, you know everything. I mean, you know more than Su Siri, Google, and anything else, encyclopedias. You just know everything. You know what's happening because it's your spirit. And your spirit is more alive than what your mind is and what your flesh is. And so I knew that this was a demon. I knew this demon was taking me to hell. I knew exactly that's what was going on. Right after I talked to you the other day, I, I, I noticed a, uh, a uh, on my Facebook feed, one of my classmates from way back when, he posted something on Facebook, and I just thought it was really ironic. And he said uh, he just watched a video of another near-death experience. And uh, the way he wrote it was kind of like uh, very disbelieving and, and 
you know, you could tell that uh, he thought a lot of these were silly. He went on to say how he likes to use the word to verify and check something somebody says is true, which is one of the things we should do. And then he quoted this scripture that's appointed unto men once to die, but then the judgment. I'm only asking questions that I know other people, and this is one of them. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm looking forward to your feedback if you have any questions, because uh, that's when, and he didn't know I was going to do this interview. So I told him I was doing an interview on this very subject, and if he had any questions, uh, go ahead and ask. So what would you have to say real quick about that? Because, you know, once we die, pointed unto men once to die, but then the judgment. So how do we, uh, how do you explain that? Oh, that's, that's the simplest one in the world to explain. Okay. It is appointed unto man once to die. It doesn't mean that you can't die more than once. Okay. So if, if that's the case, I guess we can, we can go back and ask why Lazarus came back. You know, I mean, Jesus did that. And how many people have been revived in hospitals with the paddles that were dead? You know, how many people have come out of a brain dead coma that were dead? Nothing's working, you know? They disconnect and all of a sudden their body comes back to life. Um, explain that. All I can tell you is it's appointed. In other words, you're only supposed to die. In other words, you're, you're appointed to live and to die. We're all going to die. I mean, Adam and Eve caused that to happen, you know? Okay. And I, and I totally get that. And I just, you know, I'm just, uh, uh, he put the question. devil's advocate. No, no. He put the questions out there. So I wanted to, instead of, I didn't want to argue on Facebook. I just, you know. Because he's he's going to listen to this, so and I agree with you. Because you know people die every day and then are brought back to life. So anyway, go so go ahead with your with your story. Yeah, no, I, I want to get back to that just for a second because you know it is correct. You know, you look up things scripturally, but you have to read the whole scripture. You have to understand the context of it and what it's actually saying, because people use a lot of different scriptures. They'll take one scripture and they'll say, ah, this applies, and it becomes a religion to them. And so I just explain to people that listen, Jesus healed people many many different ways. Ways. Jesus did a lot of things. Jesus raised people from the dead. There's been other people raised from the dead. Just go through the Bible, look at all the people who have been raised from the dead before. So there's more to it than, than what people think. So anyways, I went to hell. <laughs> and uh, as this demon had a hold of me and he took me down to hell, you know, this is what happens. Because you know so much and it's spirit to spirit, as I'm going past every single person that I go by, as soon as I looked at them, I instantly knew everything about them. I knew everything about their life, you know, how their life began, what they went through in life, every sin they committed, everything they did right, everything they did wrong. And the embarrassing part of it is they knew everything about me. Hmm. They could see all the hidden sins that I had kept hidden from everybody else that I didn't want anybody to know the things that I had done. They could see mine too. It was extremely embarrassing. And here's the thing I want you to understand is that we think that we have emotions because we're human. I got news for you. There's more emotions in the spirit than you have in the flesh. We're made in God's image and in his likeness. And because we're made in his likeness, we have have all of these emotions inside of our spirit because God is spirit, worshiping spirit and truth. We have all of these emotions. In fact, they're even heightened much more. And and so I'm going through this and the and I'm watching now. Let me explain something. Everybody that I saw was being tortured. It's like something is around them. You can't see. It's not like a chain around them, but there's something there and they're just dangling. Their arms and legs are dangling. 
but they're in space and they can't move from that spot. They're being tortured by demons and they're being made fun of. And here's the thing I want you to understand. There's two things. One, sticks and stones will break my will, will break your bones, but words will absolutely destroy you. Right. They were. They were. Words are horrible. We used to say words will never hurt me because we were trying to protect ourselves when kids made fun of us back when I was a kid growing up. But words will actually destroy you. They'll kill you. And they make fun of you. They talk, especially if you had been a Christian and you had slipped away from God and you decided to walk away from God completely. This this is fodder for the demons. The demons love that. They love to make fun of you and it never stops. And here's another thing. In the flesh, we get used to pain, especially when you get older. You get used to pain and you kind of live with it. But in the spirit, it's a little different because the pain is so intense. If you get a paper cut in the flesh, it just happens in that little finger or wherever that paper cut's at. But in the spirit, when you get a cut, your whole being feels that cut. It's extremely painful. Now, the other side effect, too, is in the flesh, God made us so that if the pain got too intense, we can black out. We can just, you know, black out completely. We don't feel the pain. In the spirit, your spirit never sleeps. Your spirit never blacks out. So the pain is much more intense and it never goes away. Hopefully that explains a little bit. Wow. Any questions so far? That's intense. Yes. When were you saved? Uh, as a child at about nine years of age, and I was baptized. And uh, yeah, I lived for the Lord. I, I absolutely love God. Went to Bible college. Amen. Okay. Well, I actually want to dive in with a question, if I may. Sure. Um, um, so when you discovered that you were in, in hell, was there an understanding why that? Because I know there's this, the second place where you do go to heaven. But was it clear to you why you went there? Oh, absolutely. It was clear to me. It was so, listen, I was there because number one, I walked away from God. Number two, I was living like hell. You know, I was, you know, when I say I walked away from God, I mean, I walked away from Bible college, walked away from everything because of a girl. Uh, I was doing drugs. I was dealing drugs. I was actually bringing drugs in from the country of Belize and distributing them throughout the United States, mostly the East Coast. I was doing a lot of things. I was harming a lot of people. Even though I had a job and I was making tremendous amount of money, uh, I, you know, I still was dealing drugs, making more money in one week than I was making in two months in my regular job. And I, I, I was doing a lot of things wrong. I was harming a lot of people too. And so if you want to know why, yeah, I walked away, I turned my back and I was in hell. Does that, does that answer your question? Let me ask you this. So you were in hell. Did you, you didn't know at this time that you were coming back? Oh no, absolutely did not. So anyway, you went to uh, hell. You saw these, your spirit, all the senses are heightened. Yeah. Which totally makes sense. Then, then what happened? Sure. Let me explain to you. So here's the thing when you're in hell, because you would, somebody had mentioned just a minute ago too, is that when you're in hell, the, the most horrible thing about hell is not the torture. It's not the heat. By the way, I didn't see fire. I just felt heat. I felt the heat. I, I was embarrassed. I was having being tortured. I was going through all these things. This demon's taking to put me in my final place that I'm going to be at forever. And I'm, I'm going through all of this. But the worst thing about hell is the hopelessness. There's no hope. See, I didn't think I was getting out of hell. I was just like everybody else in there. They're all screaming. Anybody that comes by them, they're screaming, help me, help me. They just think somebody's going to help them, although nobody will. They know that there's no hope. If you were to jump out of a perfectly good airplane without a parachute at 10 to 15,000 feet up, and you were to land on your head on nothing but concrete or solid rock, you have more hope that you're going to get up and walk away from that than you do when you're in hell. Right. And I can tell you right now, if you land on your head without a parachute on the rock, you're not getting up and you're not walking away. Right. Okay. I don't care how miraculous it is. It's going to look like a watermelon being dropped from the high up. 
you know, it just doesn't, doesn't happen. Here, here's a curious so, thing. We're, we're going to be interviewing a girl who actually fell 14,000 feet and her parachute didn't open. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but she didn't land on her head. No, she didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, it's just that when you think about it, you know, there, there's, there's no hope whatsoever in hell. There's none. And I'll guarantee you that girl, when she fell, she didn't think there was any hope either, you know. Right. <laughs> but in hell, there's no hope. So as this demon was taken and ready to put me into my final place, a voice rang out and the voice says, it's not his time. You must let him go. I made a promise to his mother. Let that sink in for a second. Because it wasn't my time to die. And because my mother at that time in my life, I added it up later. I didn't do it at that time. I was 26 and a half. My mother had prayed for me two to three times a day. That comes out to over 22,000 times she had prayed for me. And she used to go around saying, God said, none of my children would ever go to hell because I believe the word of God says that if I raise them in the ways of the Lord and I do these things, they will not depart. They'll come back. If anything happens, they'll be there. So my mother believed in that promise, but it wasn't my time. Immediately, this demon that I could, I have been trying to fight off, cowered down because this voice was powerful. It was the voice of God. This devil, this demon not the devil, but this demon let me go. And instantly I was translated right to the gates of heaven. Accompanied or just by yourself? By myself. And then I was greeted at the gates of heaven by this huge angel. I'm going to say seven, eight foot tall. I don't know. I, I said seven foot tall, just to give an, an analogy or, or, or a height difference between him and I. And I felt like a little child. He stuck out his hand and he says, look, you have to hold my hand. You can't go anywhere into heaven. You can't go into heaven without holding my hand because you have to go back to earth and make things right. But I'm going to take you around. God wants me to show you some things in heaven and give you some gifts, and then I'm sending you back. Okay. And I thought, okay, let's go. You know, this angel takes me into heaven and starts showing me things right now. I see all these big, beautiful buildings. They look like they're white marble. It looks like it has diamonds, gold, and whatever, you know, specks in it. It's shiny. All the light in heaven is from the glory of God. And it's so powerful. It goes through the buildings. So the same light that's on the outside of the building is in the inside of the building. When you stand up underneath a tree and you're looking up, all the leaves are the same color. There's no shadowing. There's no anything like that. The the colors are so vibrant and bright, but there's no, you know, when, when you see an artist paint something, they paint the shadow to show the contrast in it. But in heaven, you don't see that. It's completely different. And I got to see a lot of things, you know, in heaven. But my, there's two things that I got in heaven that were pretty unique that I got to see. One is every single aborted child that's ever been aborted here on earth is in heaven, every one of them. And they're all waiting for their mother or their father, which everyone comes first. And then the second one comes, they're going to be there too. They're waiting for them to come to to heaven. They're, you know, so that's what they're going to be seeing. So when the parent comes to heaven, that baby, it's not a blob, that baby will run and meet the parent. Well, and it's a beautiful, beautiful reunion. It's one of the most beautiful things you could ever imagine. So, that, that would just be awesome. Oh, oh it is. So what, what I tell people is that, look, if, you know, I tell women, if you've ever had an abortion, God will forgive you. You'll have a hard, I know a lot of women say, I have a hard time forgiving myself. Yes, I understand that. I have a hard time forgiving myself for things I've done too. I, I get it. And, and but God has forgiven you and he loves you and here's your baby. So real quick, one of the clear differences between when you were in hell and when you got to heaven 
was hope. In hell, there was no hope. And in heaven, you clearly identified hope. Oh, it, it was yeah, it was more than hope. But yes, you have hope. What I learned is that as long as you're on earth, you have hope. Once you die, if you go to hell, there's no hope. If you're in heaven, you don't need hope because you know everything then. And you're in heaven, but it's completely different. But you, I did identify what hope was with a lack of it in hell. And, and that I know when I go back to earth, I'm going to have all this hope because I was told by the angel I'm going to go back. So I had hope. My hope now is that I can get to heaven, you know, and, you know, I'm going to come back to earth and change everything that I did wrong, you know, no more. As you're being led by this angel in heaven and the words that were shared with you is um, the angel had said that God wants me to show you things. Were you also able to ask questions? And if so, like, what were you asking? What, what things were going through your mind? Or were you just in silence being led? I was in total awe of everything there. I had no questions at that time. It, the only question I had was, you know, could I stay in heaven? The answer was no. And because when you see that much glory in everything that's going on, it's really hard to come up with questions because you're looking at everything and you're just, you're in such awe. You know, and a figure, figuratively way of saying it on earth is, you know, it just takes your breath away. So no, I didn't have anything. So the next question. You're up there, your, your intelligence, everything is heightened. You know things. I mean, so back here on earth, are you able to actually see things the same way with the same understanding or is it kind of dulled now that you're back? Uh, because I'm assuming when you come back into the, into your body that your mind obviously isn't I don't, I don't know. Did, did you forget stuff? Did you, some of the knowing that you had when you were there, did you still have that or not? Well, here's what happens when you come back in your body, your mind is going to take a long time for your mind to comprehend everything that your spirit saw. Right. And I'll get into that in a little bit because there's something that I saw about the earth and about the spirit and the mind, you know, working together at one time okay. and how it doesn't anymore. So okay. yeah, I'll, I'll get into that in a few minutes, but no, uh, you can't comprehend your brain can't fathom everything that you saw in the spirit, but your spirit is still alive inside of you. Like, Hey, Hey, it's me. I'm in here. Right. It makes you appreciate a whole lot more on the earth. Believe oh, me. Oh, well, I can really that. Yeah. Now, when you were saying that, you know, you, you gained all this extra knowledge as, a, as a spirit, um, did you retain that when you came back to Earth? Some knowledge, yes. I, I retained a lot of knowledge, yes. Here, here's what I tell you. I, as a child, I was ADHD. Okay. When I came back, I had a GEB brain. That's a God-enhanced brain. So there's a difference. So my brain has been enhanced. I can remember things. I can do things. I can see things. You know, there's, there's something different that happened to me. You, you'll speak to a lot of people that have been to heaven before. Uh, I know there's another man that he couldn't play a single instrument. He came back to Earth. He can pick up any instrument he wants and plays it. Uh, uh, you know, there's people that can do that. There's people that speak in all kinds of different languages when they come back, and they can only speak in one language before. So there's a lot of things that happen to you when this goes on. Interesting. Thank you. I have a question. I know I keep bombarding questions. Um, were you, like, not so much in, in the space of hell, but more so in the space of heaven. Were you ever scared? Because our human nature is to have doubt and to question things. Did you ever experience that type of feeling, even though you were being led and you had the experience of looking back at your body? And so I, that's where my understanding is that's how you knew you were dead. But were you ever scared or did you have some doubt? Like, is this real? Is this really happening? No, absolutely none. I had none, especially when I was in heaven. Now, you just you just don't. I mean, you look at your body and it's hard to explain, but once you really die, you have no doubt. You know exactly what's going on. So so you know, hey, I'm going to hell. I got released from hell. I'm in heaven. There's no doubt whatsoever. You have no doubt when you're in heaven. You see things that are so magnificent. I can't even put into words the things that I saw in heaven. 
to try to put everything into words, to try to describe what things look like up there, to try to describe the feeling that you have. This is the most euphoric feeling you could ever imagine. You know, the sounds in heaven, you know, when you hear the angels singing. And by the way, you get to sing with the angels too, and your voice is perfect, you know. You have a perfect pitch voice. It blends in beautifully. There's so many things that you get to do up there. Look, you don't just hear music. You taste music. You feel music. You know, yeah, you can feel the bass here, you know, on earth. But in heaven, you feel the music. It goes through you. It's it's an amazing, amazing experience that you have in heaven. So, so smells? What did it smell like? Oh, heaven's, heaven was beautiful. The smell of heaven is nothing like we have on earth. And in fact, I've only smelled it one time, well, actually two times here on earth since I came back. One was when the angel appeared to me to tell me to write a book, you know, after 35 years. Of being kept quiet was told to come. You know, I was told to come back. I had to keep quiet, and so I couldn't say a word about. I mean, I could talk a little bit, but I'm not give details. I couldn't say anything about it. Right. But that day that that angel came into the room, uh, that was uh, August 17th of 2013, came into my bedroom that night and told me to write my testimony down. Um, I had a hard time doing that because I didn't know how to write. Nobody told me how to write a book before. I never learned how to. And I sat down and started writing. I got eight pages, thought it was great. Um, as soon as I wrote those eight pages out, all of a sudden this fragrance filled my apartment that was so strong. And I'm like walking around like, where's that coming from? Where's that coming from? All of a sudden I realized, ah, that's what heaven smelled like. Now I remember that's what heaven smelled like, you know? And there's no reason why that smell was in the room. And there was somebody else there and they could smell it as well. And they were like, what is that? You know, well, it's a heavenly fragrance. One other question. Uh, in heaven, are we talking the city of Jerusalem that's going to descend to the earth at the end of the millennium or? Well, I... I I'll explain this to you real quick. I couldn't see all of heaven. Right. I mean, that's impossible. It's way too big. Uh, unfortunately, it's a little too empty right now, but it is pretty big. Hell was very packed. Heaven's quite open. And I can tell you this about heaven. It's 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 so beautiful. There is a city. I don't know if that's New Jerusalem, but there's a big city that's there. It's a beautiful city. There's a river that runs right through the middle of it. It's, it's just as clear as can be. Um, so, you, yeah, if you want to ask that question, I can answer that much for you. Okay. It's a big place. And this is a crazy question. I don't know if you've ever been asked this before. How do you get around? Let's say I want to go from here to there. I mean, how does that work? But there's several ways. I mean, you can just go, hey, I want to go there and you're there. Or you can actually walk if you want to walk. You know, it's it's not like walking. It's kind of hard to explain. It's like streets of gold. People talk about the streets of gold. This The streets are so pure and beautiful, but they're soft. They're soft to the touch. I mean, they look like gold, but they're soft. I mean, it's just like, you know, you step on it. It's like was better it than your air cushioned shoes, you know? Was it, was it soft like walking on water? Or? No, it was like like walking on the, the most perfect sponge you could ever walk on. I don't know how else to explain it, you know. Sure. I've never walked on water. So. Okay. Well, I'm just asking. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done that yet. I'd like to tell you what happened with the angel and what the angel had me do, if that would be yes. fine. So what happened is, is I had to hold this angel's hand. And by the way, my hand felt like a little child's hand in his. You know, if you've ever held a little baby's hand, that's about what my hand felt like in his. His hand was so huge. And so the angel said, turn and look. Now, my first instinct when he said that was to turn, because he had a hold of my right hand. When he said, turn and look, I turned to my left because that's what I thought he meant. And he says, no, turn towards me. I turned towards him. And as soon as I did, he wasn't there, but I still had his hand. I could still feel it. And I saw the earth in a timeline. And what I mean by that is I saw the beginning of the earth, this big ball of water all the way, way into the future of the earth. I, and don't, and here, I'll just tell you right up front, I did not see the second coming. Okay. But I got to see way into the future, but I got to watch how the earth was formed and what, how it began. You know, it was a ball of water. It was in darkness. And then all of a sudden, God himself, this says so, the Spirit of the Lord, which Jesus says God 
spirit, worship in spirit and truth. He came down and he moved all over the waters of the earth. He didn't just hover above it. He moved all around and over the waters. And he was doing that because he was preparing our water on the earth, unlike any water, any place else in our solar system. He was setting it up so that we could have life on this planet. And he was there doing whatever he was doing. And here's the thing about it. Once the glory of God is on something, do you know the glory of God never leaves? The glory of God doesn't have a time limit. Once the glory of God is on there, it does not go away. So every ounce of water that we have today on this earth had the glory of God on it because every ounce of water we have today was here back then. So that's just something I wanted, you to, I wanted to bring up for you to make you think about. So all water has had the glory of God on it. Right. So all water, like uh, uh, for instance, if you look in the Bible, you, you can Google it. Water is mentioned 722 times in the Bible. It's mentioned in the first chapter. It's mentioned in the last chapter. There's something about water. Moses parted the water. We get baptized in water. Jesus walked on water. Jesus is the living water. So there's a lot to water. I'm not preaching water religion, okay? <laughs> I'm just trying to bring something you know, right. uh, highlight something for you. Because sometimes people ask me, you know, right. and I tell, I joke around with people all the time and I tell them, hey, when I drink water, I'm drinking God's glory, you know? And, uh, but you know, when Jesus got baptized, the glory came down and was all over him, you know, and he didn't need to get baptized for, you know, showing the remission of sins. You know, is there's so many things we can look at, but I watched that happen. I watched as Adam was formed out of the dust of the earth. I watched his heart's beating, things are going on with him, but he really didn't do anything until God came down and breathed right into his nostrils. And then it's like, instantly, Adam knew everything. Like my spirit, Adam knew everything. He had communication. He could talk to God. He didn't need to learn a language. He had it all instantly. Instantly he had it. The only thing he didn't have was a belly button, but he had everything and he could do anything and everything. Communicate with the animals, name every animals, call them over to him, give them a name, tell them what they're supposed to do. Adam had all of this knowledge instantly as soon as God breathed his nostrils. The other thing is Adam was made to last forever, not 900 and some years. Right. So th this is something you're seeing in spirit, kind of, or, I mean, is, are, are you seeing a, an actual visual? Oh, I'm, I'm watching it. It's in 3D. I mean, you know, I could reach out and touch it. I mean, if I wanted to, I mean, it was just, it was right there. It was so phenomenal. It's better than any 3D that we have today. It's, it's even more real than us looking in a room that we're in right now. It's more real than that. Wow. So, yeah. So how much into the future did you get? I got to see way into the future. I got to see a lot of things that are still yet to be invented. Uh, wow. In 2013, when I wrote my book and then it came out in April of 2014, I wrote about things that were going to happen in the future. And some of those things have come to pass exactly like I wrote about. Wow. And there's still a lot of things coming. I, I'll give you one, for instance, and, and this is pretty simple to look up and you can look it up. Uh, I saw in, and I re remember I wrote this in April, uh, starting April 17th in 2013. I saw these big holes when I was up in heaven, opening up in Russia. I saw earthquakes happening and these big holes and they would open up in Russia and there's no explanation for it. They were just there. Right. And, I, and when the Lord told me to write the book, he said, I want you to put that in there. I thought, okay, well, I'll put that in there. I don't know what good is going to do, but I did. Well, the book came out April of 2014, July of 2014. Scientists were hurrying over in Russia, over in Siberia, and they were finding these big holes opening up. I mean, huge, some of them like 200 meters across. I mean, just gigantic holes opening up, and they can't figure out what they are. They're almost perfectly round, and they have this dirt just piled up around them. They think it could have been methane gas. They don't know what it is, but right. nobody had ever seen them before then. Right. And what's really 
strange is the Russians call that place the end of the world. Hmm. That's what they call it, where that's at. Well, it has to be significant or God wouldn't have asked you to write about it. Well, the significance was to show that I saw things gotcha. from heaven. And here you can you can see this is some of what I saw. Uh, and I know I this is the only question I asked you when I talked to you on the phone before. Pets in heaven. I know this might make people happy, might make people sad. So I'm going to let you give your take on that. Sure. I, I saw a lot of animals in heaven. I, I'll be honest with you. I never saw anybody walking their dog or holding their cat or walking around with their cat. But I'm not saying they're not there. I'm just saying I didn't see them there. Right. You know, this my experience that I had, it's like I tell anybody, you know, you can refute anything I, you know, you want to refute, but you can't refute my experience. My experience was my experience. And what I saw, I saw. I, I believe that there's probably pets. I can understand that, you know, but once you get to heaven, the things that you desired on earth, you don't desire in heaven. Gotcha. You just don't. You, you don't have that. It, 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 what we have on earth is fleshly things because we're made in the flesh and right. that's what we have. Our spirit desires other things. Just like once you become a Christian and you start worshiping the Lord and you hear worship music, you know, you want to just raise your arms up and you want to worship God. You know, it just happens. It's just something that your spirit becomes alive inside of you and it's trying to communicate with your body like, oh, worship him, worship him, you know. Right. And yet when you hear worldly music, you want to bite your bottom lip and look tough and act like you're dancing, you know. Right. <laughs> There's a difference between something in the flesh and something in the spirit, how it interacts with your body. So growing up, one of the things that, uh, you know, I remember uh, pastor saying, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to kneel down and put my my crown at Jesus's feet. And I'm going to, I just want to worship him all day. And, you know, I got to be honest with you, that sounds so boring to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking, okay, this is heaven. I'm going to go up and sing songs all day. It just not. It just wasn't something that tripped my trigger back then. So I get it. When you're in the spirit, you know, it it's it's going to be different. But uh, also, I I know a little bit more now, and I know that uh, sitting around singing songs is not what we're going to be doing all the time. So, did you see other people doing things? I mean, what were people that you saw while you were there? What were they doing? I saw people walking around doing different things, but. I will say this, the praise is constant. Right. It, 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 you never stop praising him. You just don't. You, when, you, when you have the full knowledge, I mean, you can be walking along, but you're like, you're just, you're, you're soaking in his glory. It's not like in the, look, again, I'll, I repeat this, in the flesh, we get tired, okay? Our mind can't comprehend things. So we're like, okay, I'm tired of doing this. I mean, it's just like people that retire. Oh, I can't wait to do nothing. Really? You're going to get so tired of doing nothing. It's going to drive you nuts, you know? <laughs> and, you, but that's the flesh in the spirit. You're so excited. But see, here's the other thing too. I, and this is what I realized in hell first is that when you're dead, eternity, okay, 100 million billion, we can add, let's just say 1 trillion, 1 trillion years isn't even a click of a second in eternity. Right. It's not, so you're there forever, but time doesn't exist. I'll, I'll explain this real quick. Jesus is the same yesterday, or and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever for one reason, because they just they just are. Right. Time just is. There's no clocks. There's no time. There's no morning. There's no night. It just is. So if you're just is all the time, you know, the praise and worship never stops. You never get tired. Your spirit just longs for that. It's like, ah, and you get caught up in it. That's why, listen, when praise and worship goes on in the churches or in your home, wherever you're at in your car, you do you know angels actually come because they love the praise and worship to him? Mm. They do. 
I want to jump in for some questions, but actually Jim and Cal, Cal, Kelvin, I can't say, have been really quiet. So I want to, before I jump in, because I'm writing down questions as you're talking. Either of y'all got questions? Well, actually, Kelvin, he's traveling in his car right now, and we lost we lost him. So, oh, bummer. Okay. Yeah, so he, well, sent, he sent me a text and said that uh, he got disconnected. So uh, he's not going to jump back in. He's in and out in bad areas. So I'm good right now. I got a couple of two-part questions. Um, and then I'm sure some, somebody will hush my mic for me. So um, one question I wrote down is from, from your experience, from walking with the angel, from anything that was spoken to you, were you either given a message to bring back to others or was there something that resonated in you that is a message that you feel um, compelled to to share with others? And what is that message? Actually, there's a lot of messages. It's not just one. It's more than one. You know, it's, you know, repentance is a very strong thing. Anybody that knows that repentance means not just asking God to forgive you for your sins, but stopping your lifestyle and changing, going in the opposite direction. Don't keep living in sin. Then you can be once saved, always saved. You know, stop doing the things that you, you know are wrong. Stop doing it. The other thing is that one of the biggest messages whatsoever, I didn't get a chance to talk about this yet, is that when I saw Jesus dying on the cross, when I saw what they did to him as they put the nails into his hands and put the nails into his feet, when I saw him up there on the cross and they slid, they picked up the cross and they dropped it down in that hole and his whole body shook, and I watched these things happen, and I'm looking at Jesus and I'm seeing this happening from heaven. I'm watching this happening on earth. One of the many things that I saw. And, and I know that Jesus died not just for our sins to be forgiven, because Jesus tells us in the Bible, and, and you can read it in there, and he says, He that believeth in me will do the things or the works that I do and greater. He died on that cross so your sins could be forgiven, not for you just to sit back and do nothing and just go, Oh, my Christian, because all you are when you're doing that, you're just a sponge. You're just a sponge soaking everything up and you're not doing anything. And after a while, a sponge sitting on a sink starts to stink, you know, but it, it tells it those things. And he also said, he didn't say go and make Christians of all nations. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. So that's, if you want to ask what my message is, that's my two biggest parts of my messages. Thank you. Let me, let me just ask this. So I, I have a son who passed away here two and a half years ago. It's my oldest son. Sorry to hear that. Um, don't know for sure. I mean, he spent a few months in the hospital struggling. Uh, he had an artificial heart valve and uh, his body just was starting to shut down. And uh, I think, and it was of course during the full-blown COVID when you couldn't be oh, with wow. him. You know, I don't know where he was at spiritually. You know, I would hope that during that time, I think he got to the point where he knew he wasn't coming home. Uh, so I'm hoping that he got everything right. But what would you say to uh, parents, because I have another classmate who lost two adult children some years apart. Uh, and that's a terrible thing. So, I mean, what, what do you have to say? I know God's very merciful. Uh, he would that all be saved and be in health. He says, I mean, it, it's when I get to heaven, I wonder, okay, am I going to see him or I'm not going to see him? So what would you have to say to people like me and, and her? Uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've been asked this question before. I have a very dear friend of mine that lost his son um, because he wanted to end his life, you know, in a, in a slow 
manner of slow direction. Here's what I know. There are many people out there. There's two things, dying before your age, dying, suicide. There's many people who have committed suicide that while they're dying, they're asking for forgiveness and they're in heaven. Okay. Now people can throw stones or sticks at me or bricks or whatever they want to throw at me for saying that. Cause I have a lot of people say, Oh, it doesn't say that in the Bible. Well, it doesn't say it says that anybody calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right. And and so when they call when they call on the name of the Lord, they can do it sub they can even do it when they're in a coma. Because when you're in a coma, you're still conscious of the things that are going on around you. There are many people that have given their life to the Lord while they had their last breath. My father's one of them. He gave his life to the Lord. And is, I wrote about it in my book. He gave his life to the Lord on his deathbed. And seconds later, he passed on. There's a lot of people. So my my answer to you is the way that you probably raised him. The fact that he knew about God, I'm sure if he had any inkling whatsoever, I'm almost positive because even atheists, they always ask, God, forgive me. And, and that's good. And and actually, I'm glad you said that because uh, my my current wife, her husband did commit suicide and, and uh, they've got a daughter and a son. So that's good comforting information there. So, so anyway, you're in heaven, you're seeing all these things. Then... What, at what point did you actually get to meet Jesus? But there, there were two times I met him. One, I saw him in his glorified body when I was in heaven. As he walked by, he didn't say anything to me. He just looked at me and smiled. And let me tell you what, that's all he needs to do. You right. know, he didn't have to say a word to me. There was enough said to me from the angel. And, and and so I got to see that. But I saw him on the earth when I was having the experience of seeing the things on the earth. And I watched. I watched them as they buried him. I watched him. First of all, I watched as he was born. I watched all the things that happened to him. I watched the three three what we call wise men uh, or, or three kings. I watched as they brought all this gold, frankincense, myrrh. They brought other things to him. They brought a lot of stuff and left it there for his family to have because they thought they were coming to see the king of kings. You know, they didn't bring a little trinket of gold and drop it off a little bag. You know, they brought a lot of things. They had a whole care. Each one of them had a caravan with them. And I watched these things happen. I watched as that happened. I, I watched as Jesus, you know, as his family left, they went to, to Egypt. I watched his education there coming back. I watched the things that happened. Uh, and I saw how he walked on water. I saw how the water recognized him immediately. Uh, there's just so many things I wish I could tell you. We don't have five hours. Right. I, I watched this when I saw Jesus on the earth. When he died, I watched when he said it is finished, you know, but I also watched the compassion in his eyes as he's in horrible pain, horrible pain, right. pain that we can't even think about or fathom, you know, and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's asking his father to forgive him. All these people. I watched as they mocked him. They spit on him. They called him names. You know, they treated him much worse than that movie, The Passion, could ever even describe. It was horrible. And, and then I saw Jesus when he came up out of the grave, you know, or through the grave. And he came out as the angels rolled the stone away. And Jesus just walked out. He didn't look the same as he did when he went in. He looked completely different. His glorified body would, you know, had started, but it was in, still in the earthly flesh. And so a lot of people didn't recognize him right away. He looked different, you know. Mm -hmm. And I watched what happened. I saw what he did, you know. Yeah. So you're asking me those questions. That I can tell you. You you, um, you had mentioned uh, the angel is going to give you gifts. Yes. Were these all your gifts that you described or well he, he gave me he gave me several gifts one and i almost hate to tell people because as soon as i do i see <laughs> i see people go like this with their eyes. yeah yeah well i'm you know i i did i i know which one you're gonna say because i'm like okay i hope he waits till i'm off the air before he tells me about myself <laughs> no go well, ahead the, the nice thing about it is the carrot makes you real small <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> 
but yeah, on here anyways, but if we do a personal interview talk, I can tell more, but God allows me to see into people and to know things about people. It doesn't mean I can tell you everything because right. I'm limited as to what God will allow me to say or not say. Mm-hmm. But I, as soon as I look at somebody, I can instantly know everything about it. Now, this is not something I control. Mm-hmm. It's not something I can turn on or turn off. And sometimes I don't have to look at somebody. I can just be near somebody. And all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, you know, I'll know something about some, I mean, just instantly know all kinds of things. There's also the gift of healing. You know, there's a gift of prophecy. There's a lot of different gifts and there's other gifts that I can't disclose yet because if I do, everybody be saying crazy things, but all I can tell you, there's a gift about my eyes that um, God did. And one day I'll be able to disclose that even more publicly. So. Okay. So up in heaven, you saw- Wait, I, I want to ask about gifts real quick before you- Okay. Can you look into my eyes and tell me if my soulmate is coming? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, I will not I tell you about soulmates uh, or people, about yeah. marriage or anything like that. I, I'd stay off. That's a taboo subject. God yeah. didn't give me that. Yeah. <laughs> if I know that, no I'm keeping my there. mouth shut. <laughs> well, so- well, so if, you, so, so if you're interested in dating Heather, go to threefamousguys.com. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll see what we can do for you there, Heather. So, uh, uh, but in heaven, you met Jesus face to face, right? Yes. Okay. So what was that exchange like? And what did he look like to you? Well, you have to understand that a, a glorified body is different than what you have on earth. And when I saw him, he glowed, glowed like crazy. You know, he... He doesn't, he doesn't look like the paintings that you see, but he doesn't not look like him either. Right. Now, there's pe- people try to capture what Jesus looks like. They always have. He, he, when you see him in heaven, his, it's just like the other heavenly beings up there, especially God and Jesus. They glow. I mean, you, I could never look at God fully. He was too far away. But the glow that came from, came from him, was that's what lit up all of heaven. So that kind of give you an idea. Right. And that's why, like, when Moses just looked at the back of him, basically, and just barely saw God, they had to put a veil over his face because he glowed. They couldn't, you know, couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. Well, my spirit still glows. My, thank goodness my flesh wasn't there because my flesh, I couldn't have handled it. Mm-hmm. I would have been blinded. You know, and, uh, but Jesus was just fantastic. The compassion, the love, just something about when he looks at you, you understand so many things just from one look. Wow. And did he actually talk to you? much no no didn't talk to you okay so 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 then after you saw all these things i mean what what uh what more happened up there well there was a lot you know there was a lot more i could tell you you know like i said i wish we had a long time because i'd love to tell you about the tower of babel about samson uh about yeah about peter you know uh just all the different apostles and things that i saw in the bible i mean, i'd love to be able to sit down and discuss all of that i, I couldn't even put it all in my book because the book would be, just be too big and too boring after a while uh-huh. but yeah it's it's just, there's so many things i wish i could tell you you know now let me tell you what happened i come back to earth now there, like I was telling you earlier, there were paramedics that were in my room. We called them ambulance drivers back then. We didn't call them paramedics back in the seventies. Right. And I had a, I had a basement apartment. The radio wasn't working down there. Uh, old style radio didn't work real good in the basement apartment. And my apartment was set up because I was a drug dealer and I had bars on the windows that would not open no matter what you did. And I had a steel door. In fact, I had the window wells that you had to go down through those to see the windows. And I loved living there and I had drugs in my apartment. And so these paramedics were in there and I'm watching them. I watched the one guy come up, touch my face, and turn around, look at the other guy, shake his head no. They walk out of the room. They go into my living room, and I'm watching this go on. They picked up my little avocado green phone that I had, dialed a number, 
they were calling the morgue. And of course, I had a girl that was over there that night and she was out there screaming. So then they hung up the phone and they were talking to each other. They wanted to know maybe this guy who was shot or stabbed, who is this girl, you know? And so they come back in the room to check on me at that point in time when they came in to check on me. As they went to touch me, they didn't quite touch me. I came back in my body. Now, I jokingly say I scared them to death, scared me to life, you know? How much time had passed from the time you died till then? It was approximately three hours. And that's according to them, too, because I was cold to the touch really cold, like maybe in the 70s, uh, cold body, rigor mortis is set in, uh, and that happens after two hours, uh, and three hours it's really set in. Um, so it, it been after 24 hours, rigor mortis leaves your body again. So I wasn't dead that long. And oh. so I came back in my body, and I had a hard time getting my body to work for a few moments. Nothing wanted to work. I was cold. I will, will tell you that. I was shivering. I was like shaking. In fact, when I came back in my body, it felt like to get my body to come out of whatever it was, I felt like I had to shake my body, like getting hit with 240 volts or something. I felt like I was vibrating and then, you know, I'm looking and I'm looking at this guy and he's looking at me, you know, and I'm like, and, and the only word I could say at first was no. I couldn't get anything out of my, it was hard for my mouth to get working. And to get my body to move, it was it was like, whoa, what's going on? It was it was the craziest feeling. And being in a waterbed didn't help. Right. If, if you guys have ever been in one yeah, of those yeah, pre-flotation waterbed. So, I, I have three quick questions, if I can just throw that, because I know we're at the top of the hour. And then you can kind of bundle them together, because I think two are short answers, possibly. And then one would be a longer. Can I throw those out there, Gus, real quick? Yeah, go ahead. All right, cool. So, so um, one of them, when you were up in heaven, um, was there any shared information with you that somebody else in that um, up in heaven that maybe had experienced hell before heaven? Maybe not to the full experience of going back to he um, to earth like you did. Um, so has any was it shared that somebody else has had that experience? Uh, I'm going to throw my other questions out and then that way I can mute myself. Um, did you ever revisit that apartment that you described to us? Have you ever gone back to the scene of, of where all this took place? And then my third one, which I think is going to be um, a longer answer. When you finally came to not just the, the gasp of breath, but when you realized what happened, how long did it take before you became a new man? Because you had the drug history and so forth. Like, what time frame did it take to transpire? And those, those are my last three questions, I promise. Well, the first question, I never saw, I've never met anybody else that I know of personally while I was in heaven. I wasn't given any knowledge of anybody else. I just know that I was probably one in 50 billion or whatever, you know, or 500 billion. I don't know. I, I was, I don't know of anybody else that went through exactly what I went through in any way, shape or form. I wasn't shown that in heaven. Uh, I forgot the second question, I think, or that was the second question, I'm not sure. Uh, what was the, the other second question, question was, um, have you ever revisited that apartment where this experience had taken place? Uh, no, I stayed in that apartment for a short while and then left and <clears throat> never cared to go back. The next thing you asked me is, you know, when did I come to the realization? When did I change? Let me tell you what happened. After that experience, when I was finally able to get up out of bed, I got the paramedics out of out of my apartment, got the girl out of my apartment. The realization of everything that you know, was running through my head, and, and believe me, so much happened. They say a day to God, a day is, you know, is like a thousand years. So if you, you figure three hours, that's like 44 years. I got 44 years of knowledge, so to speak, just throwing that out there, just, you know, not really saying that's what it is, but I got 44 years worth of experience, so to speak. I had to decipher all that. What happened is what I did is after I got rid of them, I went to my closet. I had two, I had five pounds of pot in my closet. I flushed it. Pot does not flush, by the way. 
you have to take wet toilet paper, wet it and put it on top of it and keep flushing, put a plunger down, try to do whatever you can to get rid of it. I flushed the pot. Then I took the cocaine. I had three kilos of cocaine, split them open, dumped it all down. They all flushed real quick, got rid of that. The girl left some liquor. I dumped the liquor that she had. I had no other liquor in my apartment. I sat down in my little avocado green rocking chair that matched my phone, a little fringe around the bottom of it. I cried my eyes out till 630 in the morning. This was about midnight that I started doing this. And I, and I cried and I cried and I cried. I was so remorseful. I was so embarrassed. I was so hurt. I was so, I can't believe I did the things that I did. I can't believe I walked away from God like that. I can't believe that I disbelieved God, you know, and, and lived the lifestyle that I lived, that I could actually do those stupid things. My whole life changed that night. And I sat there and I cried. I went through two rolls of toilet paper, snotting up and crying that bad. I was a bachelor. I didn't have boxes of Kleenex. I had rolls of toilet paper. And, and I cried and cried and cried. My whole life changed at that moment. And I did the James 4, 7. I submitted everything to God. And I had to resist after that. I had to say, the, the drugs wasn't that hard to give up. The girls... That was hard. I mean, I had to just say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to go back to hell. I had to change my whole life. It took a few years for my whole life to come completely around to where my mind was clear thinking. You know, it's the mind that you have a battle with. It's your brain you have a battle with. It's your soul, not your spirit. Your spirit's going, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know, and it's our own carnal knowledge, our own carnal mind that we're like, oh, yeah, look at her, you know, for a guy. You have to learn to stop that. You have to learn to resist that. So I had a, I went through a learning process. I didn't do anything. I still didn't commit any sins except for the looking sin. You know, I didn't do anything. I had to straighten out my life. I had to turn it around. Well, from that point on, then, then you got into... Or, or what did you do right then? Because you didn't uh, write the book till later, right? Oh, no. I, I was told not to say anything until the Lord was to tell me or the angel would come back and tell me. And I was visited by the angel August 17th of 2013. I kept my mouth shut. Now, I did ask, I have a son that I asked if it was okay to tell him some things. I was given permission to say a few things to my son, but not to go into details. My son was the recipient of some of the gifts. My poor son couldn't do anything because God allowed me to see him at all times where he was and what he was doing. <laughs> and until he turned 18, and I asked God to take that away from me because he was an adult. And, uh, but up until then, um, my son can tell you about taking the car apart, looking for cameras and microphones, all of his buddies on the football team did, because it was hard for him to believe that I always knew where he was when he'd call me up and say, where am I, dad? And I'd tell oh. him, just kind of one of those things we did. That's every teenager's nightmare right there. Yeah, my son, when I told him at 18, I said, you know, I, God took it away from me now. He was, he was like, praise God, I have freedom. <laughs> well, we, we, are hitting, we are hitting an hour, but let me just ask you this. Uh, all, all this happened in and um, I, I know there's people out there and our channel is all about people's stories. We believe everybody's story is valuable and is there to help somebody else in their life. Your story has so many different facets of it that could help a lot of people. Like we talked about the suicide and, and the different things. So that was, that was awesome. But let me give you just the last part of this to tell our audience what it is you want to tell them. You sh share your heart with, uh, with the people and, and, you know, what do you have to say to them? Thank you. This is what I'll tell you. Listen, there really is a hell. There really is a heaven. And you're the one that makes the choice. Nobody else makes that choice for you. Don't sit there and say, oh, God sends people to hell. No, he doesn't. God gives you a clear choice. Do I want to go to hell or do I want to go to heaven? Listen, he gave the ultimate sacrifice. I have a son. I have news for you. If I saw you in the middle of the street, I'm going to run out there and I'm going to knock you out of, the, out of the way if I see a big bus or truck coming. I'll give up my life, but I'm not going to let my son go do that for you. I'm not going to give my son permission to die for you. I don't want that to happen. I'll die for you. 
but to think that he gave his son to die on a horrible death, but one of the worst deaths you could go through back then, to die like that and, and to go through that so that your sins can be forgiven. Listen, when your sins are forgiven and you ask Jesus Christ into your life, if you never have, it's real simple. You just ask him, you say, God, you know, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. You are the son of God. And, and, and I ask you to come into my life. And, and you just truly mean that and make him the Lord of your life. Just commit, you know, just say, forgive me of my sins. Repent. Stop doing those sins. Stop going in that direction. Will you have a battle sometimes? Yeah, you will. Just stop it. Just go in the right direction. Because if you don't, when you die, it is truly death. Because when you go to hell, it's like being dead. There's nothing. There's no hope. There's nothing left. Nothing. You're just tortured and you're there forever. You're not going to party. You're not going to have friends. But if you give your life to the Lord and you live accordingly to what Jesus talks about living like, if you do those things, then you get to go to heaven. And when you're in heaven, you'll understand more than you could ever imagine and the beauty that's going to happen. I would want that for anybody and everybody. I don't want my worst enemy to go to hell. I absolutely would not, no matter who they are. And, and that's my message. And I can tell you that if you just, just, just understand, God gave us life. All, let me tell you this. Somebody said this very profound. People say, oh, science is trying to prove it. Look, God is science because everything that science proves and, and finds out that there is a God. Right. All right. Well, Ivan, I want to thank you very much for being on the show. We'll make sure to put your website uh, for your ministry uh, in the description of this. And this is going to probably uh, uh, air in about a week. So, uh, and if there's any other information or anything uh, that you want us to put in the description, uh, go ahead and send that to me. But uh, when I do the sign off here, don't go away. Uh, stay on here a minute because we're going to talk amazing. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing. Thanks. With us. Incredible, Ivan. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, this is Gus with Three Famous Guys uh, podcast. And uh, if you want to go to threefamousguys.com, we're going to have merchandise on there. Uh, we still have a Three Famous Guys coffee brand coming out. So uh, keep watching for that. And uh, so this is Gus, Jim, Mark, and Heather with us uh, talking to Ivan. So we want to thank you, Ivan, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for checking out Three Famous Guys. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. For more information or to try and uncover more about your mystifying hosts, check them out online at www.3famousguys.com. That's www.3famousguys.com. We'll see you next time.